they believe that. Hallelujah. He said, the latter house shall be greater than the former. The end of the thing shall be greater than the beginning. Living for God for me now is better than when I first got in. Hallelujah. And basically, according to the good things that uh, God has revealed through his word and taught how to pray. Hallelujah. Amen. I'd rather, I'd rather know how to pray than to preach. Amen. Hallelujah. I'd rather know how to pray than to sing. Amen. Prayer is what's going to save me. Preaching is what's going to save them that hear me. Prayer is what's going to save, hallelujah, me when God hears me. Hallelujah. And uh, amen. I have a good friend of mine in the ministry. And uh, I want everybody to hear this. I don't want. I want everybody to be in the sanctuary to hear this text that I just received right before uh, service. Uh, this is from Brother Lambeth, who is our missionary in Brazil, and he is a close friend, good friend of mine, and uh, uh, he has over 400 churches in Brazil. So he's somebody that knows about revival, church to have revival amen and i want you to listen uh, to this text that amen he gave here praise god could i have everybody amen all of everybody i'm gonna wait till i get everybody in here I, everybody needs to hear this text here hallelujah is anybody out in the hallway okay let's amen i was going to do this at the end of service but i believe it's important for us to understand we're living in the end time. Amen. Hallelujah. We are living in the very last days. And Satan has come with great wrath, knowing that he hath but a short time. How many believe that? Hallelujah. Amen. And uh, I know that uh, I have had phone calls from different, uh, uh, even preachers, different, <coughs> different people concerning uh, things that they're going through, like it was some strange thing happening to them. But uh, uh, I believe it's Peter that says, it is Peter in 5, I believe in 8, amen, be sober, be vigilant. For your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. If you've never seen a soul devoured by Satan, it's a terrible thing to behold. If you've ever seen, amen, a church devoured by Satan, it's a terrible thing to see. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, amen. He, uh, he, he wrote this, amen, to uh, apostolic ministry, but he sent it to me. And he said, I'm very hesitant to write this appeal, especially because I'm nothing more than a missionary in Brazil However, please allow me to bear the burden of my heavy heart. It says, across the last few weeks and months here in Brazil, we have been under severe, intense, unusual spiritual attack. True enough, such spiritual battles on the foreign fields of outreach are to be expected, and we believe that. He says, so we have hunkered down, leaning into the storm, praying for relief. However, there is much more to all of this than meets 
the eye. We are in a spiritual battle. I know that we are not only not the only ones fighting intense and unusual spiritual battles. Many of my ministerial friends have also shared the same discovery. There is a dark wave of end time demons that have been loosed from hell against apostolic ministers and congregations. These last few days, he said, I have cried many tears in prayer behalf of my friends. He's an intercessor that have been broadsided by unexpected trials of rebellion, betrayal, provocative backsliders, sudden illnesses, unrelenting spiritual opposition during church services, disruptive spirits, marriages free-falling into unexpected divorce, weird attitudes of some saints, disunity among longtime musicians and platform assistants, rumbling threats from the outside of the church. The list could go on and on. It said, to make matters worse, some of our apostolic brethren are facing several scenarios on multiple battlefronts all at the same time. They said, please forgive my boldness, but I feel it to be a sin just to pray against my own personalized issues and spirits that are attacking that are swirling around here in Brazil. All the while, my anointed brothers are groaning under the devil's whip. I can't just selfishly pray for myself. You may think, who is Brad Lameth to suggest anything? But I humbly suggest on Monday, August 7th, we all unite our spiritual focus to fast and pray. Rebuke the onslaught of demons that have come against the apostolic ministry and the church of Jesus Christ. He said, this is a suggestion, but why not try? From our prayer closets and our church altars, let us unite together on August 7th to plead the blood of Jesus against these spiritual bats from hell. Allow me to go one step further if you can trust in my confidentiality, confidentiality and sealed lips. Feel free to share your name with me, and I will add your unspoken request to my long list of ministerial friends that are fighting the worst battle of their lifetimes. Feel free to forward this appeal to your ministerial friends and other spiritual partners. Amen. Elder Brad Lambeth. Amen. Hallelujah. And hallelujah. I believe this is a sincere cry of a praying, fasting man. If you don't know the Lambeth, like I said, to have 400 preaching points in a country, um, you're not sitting on the back of your lap doing nothing. And he's got services where people actually come in and drag people out of the altar and kill them and hang their heads out there on the streets. That's what they're fighting down in Brazil. Amen. We're talking about real demonic where they're coming into the church Amen. And many of these are drug cartel reaching for an altar. Amen. Hallelujah. But I believe the church's power in prayer is going to prevail against this. Because we know who's going to win. Hallelujah. Through prayer we can prevail. And we as a church, we're going to pray. And we're going to fast. 
we're not just going to fast that Monday. We're going to fast this Monday and the next Monday. And we're going to pray for apostolic ministry, apostolic churches, apostolic revival. We're going to see Satan's head crushed. The things you've been going through, others are going through, other churches are going through. It's time that the devil wants war. Hallelujah. God's got an army too. We are going to have revival in Garden City. We are going to see people loosed from Satan's stronghold. We are going to see people baptized in Jesus' name. We're not going to sit back without fighting. We're going to fight in the prayer room. We're going to fight by, by fasting. Hallelujah. Amen. We need, hallelujah, God to intervene in this end time battle. And this is an appeal to the apostolic church. Hallelujah. It is everywhere. People, the devil wants to make you think that this is just you. I got a call from a good brother. He said, I've got an unusual thing happening to me. Hallelujah. Amen. I was trying to tell him, hallelujah, and encourage him, praise God, that we are living in the end time. Hallelujah. And it's not a strange thing to fight these things. But it shows that the devil is nervous. The devil wants to stop revival. He wants people to get weird attitudes and rebellion and other things in their spirit. He wants them to just, come on, we're going to fight it off. We're going to use the name of Jesus. We're going to shout like we've never shouted. We're going to preach like we've never preached before. We're going to hit the streets like we've never hit them. If you want war, we're going to have war and we're going to win. This ain't my first battle. God wins. God is the victor. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imagination. Cast down that imagination that we can't have revival. We will have revival. Spirits of doubt and unbelief are going to be conquered. Fleshly pettiness is going to be conquered. I believe the church needs a good praying through. Come on. Let's have revival. And I'm going to send my name and our church back to Elder Lambeth. Saying, count us in, brother. Count us in. We're not just playing church. We're going to fight for every soul. I said, we're going to fight for every soul. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. And the weapons of prayer, fasting, righteous living. We need to have about a one-year fast of no complaining, no murmuring, no gossiping. So that you may be qualified to be the sons of God. 
Let all things be done without murmuring and disputing that you may be the sons of If you're murmuring and complaining, you're not a son of God anymore. Jesus did not complain about Calvary. He did not complain about persecution. He did not complain about demon-filled religious leaders. Come on, I want to help somebody here tonight. I want to see you sing. This is a one God apostolic, Jesus name, devil conquering church. We're here tonight because the devil couldn't keep us out of church. Couldn't keep us out of the prayer room. Can't stop a man of God from preaching like I'm doing right now. Can't stop you from worshiping. You need to worship. You need to get... You need to get some high praise in your mouth. David said, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. Hallelujah. We don't want the devil to overwhelm us. We want, hallelujah, the power of the Holy Ghost to not only fill us, but give us an overflowing. Amen. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. And usually I don't check my phone prior to church, but I'm glad I did. Son, I'm glad I did. Here's a missionary appealing for prayer in Brazil. And we're going to bind together in this last day, I believe, like the church has never bound together. We need the spirit of unity. All speaking the same thing. All do. Let me tell you, when we're shouting, everybody needs to be shouting. And let all the people say amen. Hallelujah. We need unity. God is one. I said God is one. We need His mind. We need to be His mouth. His mouth. His hands. His feet. And have that spirit. Hallelujah. God, when He stepped into this world, amen, He knew He was going to be the victor when He took the blood back to the throne. Hallelujah. How many are thankful the blood's going to take us back? It's going to take us into the portals of glory. Hallelujah. We've got to remind ourselves, worship is an instrument of warfare. Prayer is an instrument. We need to not just pray, amen, good night Jesus prayers. We need some prayers that touch, that the, we need some effectual, fervent prayers from some righteous people. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. And I believe if Satan's going to lift the bar, we are too. If he's going to press, we're going to press back harder. Come on, somebody. And he will press. That's why you're feeling pressure. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. 
cast down but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? So that the life of the Lord Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal body. The cross, hallelujah, was what set us free. Your cross is what's going to keep you free. We'll clap your hands to the Lord. Let's give him some high praise. Somebody ought to shout right now. If I die, I'm going to die on the battlefield. I'm going to treat everybody right. Oh, I'm going to be rapture ready when he comes. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. Elder Wilson wants you to come preach to us. Hallelujah. Amen. How many are going to pray? Hallelujah. Like you've never prayed till Jesus comes. I will therefore the men pray everywhere. Incessant prayer. Pray without ceasing. Keep the spirit of prayer upon you. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. Don't let the devil or your problems take your shot. World didn't give you that joy, so don't let the world try to take it from you. The world's a thief. Jesus gave me this joy, brother. I feel the Holy Ghost. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. God's going to have a strong church. He's going to have a triumphant church. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Everyone say, preach to me, Brother Wilson. Thank you, Pastor Charles. Hallelujah. It wouldn't have bothered me for him to keep preaching. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, let's give the Lord a hand clap today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, let's love the Lord together today. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, let's just praise him a little bit tonight. Let's praise him a little bit tonight. He's worthy to be worshipped. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. The Lord is able. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. There's healing here tonight. In the name of Jesus, there is healing here tonight. Hallelujah, there is power in this place tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Normally, it'd be hard to follow that, but I've been praying today, seeking the Lord. I believe we're on the same, same page. And uh, love your pastor, just his spiritual leadership. And uh, let me tell you, sometimes the flesh, the flesh doesn't want to get with it. It's the flesh. And the flesh will be grouchy. And the flesh will say, well, he's pushing too hard. Or don't you know I'm getting older. I shouldn't have to do all that. 
But uh, hey, we ought to do the best we can, no matter what age we are. The Bible said they shall still bring fruit, fr uh, forth fruit in old age. And uh, so don't let your flesh get grouchy. Don't start listening to the devil. All of his reasons why you get grouchy, as Pastor said, and we can be, we can be, you get to the habit of complaining. And, uh, but we need to, we need to be pushed. We need a pastor. And uh, the same pastor that, that pushes us or challenges us to worship is the same pastor that spends time with us fellowshipping, uh, having a good time, resting, feeding your heart, feeding your soul, helping you, helping you, helping you. It's not always a push, but that's one reason that we are here. And always, always, when we touch the Lord, we are refreshed. And so the devil's a liar and the flesh is a liar. So when we get a touch of God, we feel better. And then we say, hey, I'm glad I pushed myself. Praise the Lord. I wish that some other folks were here today. I was looking forward to uh, seeing Emily, but it's Friday night. I'm not sure, uh, but everybody that that wants God should be here on Friday night. It's more important to be in church than to be taking your special night. You know, people get paid on Friday to go out to eat and they miss church. That's not good. Amen. Friday night is not, you know, if you're still partying, people are still partying, they must not, I don't know, they must not want the Holy Ghost. I'm, I'm not saying that's the case, but but uh, uh, I, I am going to preach. I'm going to start. I'm going to try to follow the Holy Ghost here today. The book of Psalms chapter number 43 and again, it would not have bothered me for pastor to keep on preaching. And I uh, admire your pastor. I want to say thank you, too, for, uh, to Sister Tori. And uh, I don't know how much she was involved in the making of the uh, basket. We have a, uh, what do you call it, snack basket, a welcome basket. And uh, it's got a lot of goodies. Not too many candies, so that's a good thing. And uh, But uh, really, I really appreciate that, appreciate our ability to stay in the evangelist quarters and uh, I feel the spirit of prayer there, good, good Holy Ghost spirit there. The book of Psalms chapter 46, Psalms chapter 46, and I thought, well, looking mostly us here today, it looks like mostly us here today, and I thought, Lord, do you have something else? This is all that I have felt today, and uh gone through several things on my mind and my heart, but I just felt this. I've been feeling this today, and I'm going to preach about it. The book of Psalms 46, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the waters, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, the city. She shall not be moved, but God shall help her. And that right early. Two more times, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Verse 1, verse 7, verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Psalms chapter, or the Isaiah chapter number 32. Behold, a king shall reign in righteousness, and princes shall rule in judgment. And a man shall be as a hiding place from the wind, and a covert from the tempest. 
a river of water in a dry place, and the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. And we know that man is Christ Jesus. One more scripture, Isaiah chapter 4 and verse number 6. There shall be a tabernacle for a shadow in the daytime from the heat, and a place of and for a place of refuge, and a covert from the storm and from the rain. I want to preach about our refuge tonight. God is our refuge. And um, there's such a value in being able to, to be strengthened, to be built up, to feel the peace, to, to be uh, educated or to be taught, I should say, and uh, strengthened in the spirit. And we need to be in the refuge. We need to be in the church. And we need to have the revelation of being uh, without sin in our lives. And God is able to help us and to wash us and uh, to have this peace. And uh, we'll just continue here. But let's pray the Lord would help us. Lord Jesus, we ask you to speak to us. God, we pray that you would help us. I need your help. Help me to preach in the Holy Ghost, Lord, to follow the Holy Ghost. And God, we pray you'd help us to respond. Bless your church. Bless your people. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And you can be seated. Praise the Lord. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. I want to say that also the church is a refuge. The church, of course, has uh, the presence of God. We are living in a time of tremendous spiritual opposition. Pastor just read to us, and we spoke about that for a moment. The devil is trying to prepare ultimately his kingdom when he will rule as the Antichrist. Much of what we are seeing in the world is the spiritual battle between a transition of independent countries or the spirit of nationalism, which the Bible is very clear that God gives, he speaks to nations and people, and he differentiates between those that fear God and those who do not fear God. And so the nations that fear God have been a thorn in the, the, the side of Satan, Nations that have been blessed of God and sought to, to fear God have been raised up, have been the military forces and the economic forces in the, uh, the time in which we live. The devil wants to destroy that. He doesn't want nations to be blessed. He doesn't want people to have the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to destroy his, his plan to one day be the, the, the God of this world and to be elected as the Antichrist or put in power as the Antichrist. And so the spirit of globalism is one of the spirits the devil is using. Many of the things that have happened, uh, the, the, the global cry to take a stand against, uh, against climate change. I'm not entering into that. But we know that one large volcanic eruption like Krakatoa back in, I believe, the 1800s, it was enough to make the world cloudy in many places for months at a time, just one volcano. And there have been times when several volcanoes have gone off. There have been ice ages. I don't know how this fits into the 6,000-year period. I believe absolutely in the 24 hours of creation. Each day was 24 hours of creation. But there have been times of climate fluctuations even in recent history. But the call is to make this a global problem, and the only way to solve it is for all the nations to get together. To make these moral things a global problem. 
to make nations that want to be independent a global problem. The last president was attacked because he was a nationalist. He was a, a patriot. You may not like the last president. I'm not asking you to like him. I voted for him because he was certainly the best choice, not only between the parties, but also between the candidates. But anyway, he believed in making America strong with the purpose of that we could survive in the, in, the, in, in the event of a world war. We could have enough of our own steel, enough of our own resources, enough of our factories operating so that we could depend on ourselves as we did in World War II. He was uh, into the idea of having enough energy so that we could be independent, but the global mindset is not into that. They want us, even though we have enough energy, even though we have a lot of resources, they want us to depend on other nations. They say that it is just so that we can share the wealth and we can help other countries that are needy, that we can help other countries that are developing, that we can give them the production jobs and so on. And I'm not going to take your time, but I'll tell you really what it is. The devil and uh, the opposition to men like that, like President Trump, the devil sees them as standing in his way to dominating this world. We are living in a time where there is, it's more than political. It is a spiritual warfare. I'm going to say this, and people may not like this today, but what the, the war that is going on in between Russia and the Ukraine is not just a political situation. Ukraine is depending on the West, and they are espousing liberal ideas. Putin is hated. And I, I always question, if the, if the Democrats, if the liberal party is, is, is really against something, there must be a reason why. And uh, it's probably not a good reason. And the reason why that they are against Putin, and Putin is bad, and I, I wish Putin did not exist at this point, but he is a nationalist, and that's why they hate him. He wants to have a country that's able to withstand a global order. He wants to be stronger than any alliance of nations. He's looking out for his country. There's nothing inherently bad in that. They want to destroy every single nation that can stand in the way of a united group of nations. Now, if you are deceived into thinking that it's going to be any better under a united European-dominated uh, uh, world alliance, then you are deceived because the problem with men and governments uh, is not whether it's a democracy or it's a republic or it's a socialist. The problem is that men are dominated by sin and right now men are rejecting God more and more. It's not going to get any better if we put all the nations together. It's just going to become an apparatus that the devil can operate. We are in a huge spiritual battle. Huge spiritual battle. I, I don't even want to mention the political. We were supposed to not do that in the pulpit, but a lot of churches do it anyway, and they get away with it. But, but anyway, uh, but we are in a huge spiritual battle. This is what we are witnessing. And people, are on, the, on the practical level, there is a lot of unrest. That's an understatement. The, the, the cases of mental illness among our young people, suicide. Let me tell you something. I'm going to stand behind your pastor and tell you, and as many other ministers do, that the more you get involved on social media, the more you get involved and waste your time and look for what the world is approving in social media, you're going to suffer emotionally. 
number one, you're not interacting with real human beings. And you're probably, como decimos en español, descuidando. You're probably not taking care of your responsibilities. You probably have more family trouble and tension because you're not taking care of just interacting one with another. You're probably not working as hard as you should. You're probably cheating if you're always on the phone, not giving your boss a good. You're not studying like you should because you're allowing this world to take your attention. And the world is fighting for your soul. Hallelujah. We are in a tremendous spiritual battle to even think. Let me tell you, it ought to just, I believe you all believe this, but just the very idea of our nation allowing and, and, and promoting our children in the elementary school, being able to choose another gender than their birth is absolutely crazy. It's demonic for them to point the finger at people who voted trying to preserve a traditional family, people who are voting against abortion, people who are voting against the LBGT movement, for them to say that we are crazy and them to allow this, that's craziness, but it's more than just local. It's like they say spiritual battle. We are fighting demons. There's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff I'm tempted to put on my pickup truck. You know what? I think on my on one of my trailers, some guy, the previous uh, guy, had put on a sticker NRA. Someone said, "You better take it off." I said, "I'm not taking that off. I'm for the NRA. I'm just not paying the dues. Anyway, I'm not paying." Uh, and uh, but I've thought about putting up stickers like "Who's crazy." You, you know, who's crazy? LBGT movement opposed Hollywood. I thought about putting all these stickers. But you know what I'm afraid of? When my wife is driving my truck, somebody, especially in some areas, somebody might, might shoot the truck, might try to assault her just because we are expressing we are opposed to the spirit of this world. But I was getting somewhere here a moment ago, and that is that people are, are emotional. I have never seen in my life more mental and emotional illness. And I'm not putting this, I'm saying we're living in, this is the atmosphere that we are living in. People are getting out of touch. There's a lot of things that cause mental and emotional illness. And one of them, it's not just abuse, but another part of it is simply not checked into reality. You know, it helps you to get out and work. That'll, that'll, that's a good thing to help you check out of emotional problems. It helps you to call your, your, your parents. It helps you to talk to your loved ones. It helps you to have some friends. It helps you to get out and enjoy nature because that's the reality that we live in. There's a lot of things that are affecting people. I'm not minimizing. There may be someone here going through that here today. I'm not preaching about that here today. But I want to tell you your answer is in the refuge of the church. I'm preaching something that was wonderful, has been wonderful in my life. To come out from being raised in the world and uh, an atheist father and, and uh, a, a tumultuous childhood, maybe not as tumultuous as many of you have had, but uh, raised, raised in, in a one-parent home back and forth between the parents. And, and, uh, and anyway, when I got into the church, it was a place of peace. It was a place of refuge. I never have understood the people that always wanted to complain. Uh, I could not even believe that there were people that they saw negative. All they could see was the negative in the church. And I was thinking, what are you looking at? Don't you see all the people that have been saved? Don't you see all the good? Don't you see the beautiful way they dress? Don't you see they don't cuss? 
see there's no television in their home? Don't you see there's no drugs? Don't you see there's no alcohol? What a beautiful place. Hey, I want to love the church. The church is a refuge for us. Let me tell you that uh, we should know this, but you've got to be born again to get into the church. There is an entrance to the church. Not everybody gets inside. The church is surrounded by walls. The book of, uh, the book of, uh, the book of Psalms, chapter number 47, I believe, it said, walk about Zion and uh, count, no, sorry, 48. It said, walk about Zion and go round about her. Tell the towers thereof, mark ye well her bulwarks, Consider her palaces, that ye may tell it to the generations following. For this God is our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even unto death. The city of Jerusalem was, has historically always been a fortress, a refuge. When David moved from Hebron, having been a military man, having been a fighting man since the days of his youth, he knew the value of having a refuge, a fortress, a place that the people of Israel could look to with security, along with the other walled cities of Hebron and Gezer and Bezer and, and, and some others that, uh, that, that, that were there. I don't know if I'm pronouncing all of those right. Hallelujah, Gezer and Bezer sounds kind of funny. But anyway, they were, they were walled cities. David said, I'm going to make this our, our center. This is going to be our capital. And when they took Jerusalem and they defeated the Jebusites, they began to build up the walls of Zion, the walls, they made it a stronghold with tall walls. I don't remember how tall they were, probably over 30 to 50 feet tall, huge towers. And, and then later David began to make plans to build the house of God adjacent to the city of David, to Zion, Mount Zion. The Bible talks about Mount Zion as a place, a refuge. The book of Psalms chapter 91, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. In fact, let's skip. I'm going to go come back to that in a moment. But uh, I think one of our scriptures here uh, tonight, uh, as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forevermore. Um, chapter number 125, the book of Psalms, they that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed, but abideth forever. As the mountains are round about Jerusalem, so the Lord is round about his people from henceforth even forever. I hope that you appreciate the safety of the church. I hope that you understand why the church is safe, that the church has walls of holiness and righteousness. The church has towers, the doctrines of the oneness of God, baptism in Jesus' name, the power of the name of Jesus, the power of the blood, the power of the word, the power of prayer, the power of worship, the apostolic authority in the ministry that's in the church, the gifts of the spirit. These are towers that the devil never has been able to conquer the devil has never been able to breach the walls of the church. There's always been a one God apostolic church. There's always been a refuge from the storm. There's always been a place of peace. There's always been a place for people to come and to be healed. There's always been a place for the soldiers to get strong and go back out and fight the Lord's battles. It's never ceased. The church has never been defeated. We have a refuge in the church. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord together today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
I want to follow. You can be seated. I'm again trying to follow the spirit here today, but a lot of things we could say. The refuge, the refuge of the church. Hallelujah. The refuge of the church. Uh, I told my, my, my daughter lived in Mississippi for a while. And uh, things get real expensive out west, Arizona, and California. I told him, I said, why do we all just move out to the Midwest and buy a house? We can get a house out there somewhere for $150,000. $250, My daughter says, oh, no, I'm not going back. I'm not going back to where the tornadoes are at. I said, we will build you. We will all have shelters. We'll get basements. We'll do whatever we got to do. I, I, the whole time, the 10 years or the eight years, I think, that they were in Mississippi, I was always thinking about it. She'd call us up, Dad, it's another storm. Mom, it's another storm. Pray, pray, pray. And, oh, they finally found a place in downtown Laurel that uh, was very, very solid, very strong. They'd always go there. And, uh, and so, anyway, it, it helps to have a place where you can go and to feel secure. The church is a secure place. The church is a place that is more secure than a bunker building. Many years ago, uh, it's probably been 15 years ago now, we were visiting my, uh, my stepfather and my mother had built uh, a retirement home in West Virginia, actually on the eastern side of West Virginia. I'll confuse you. It was southeast West Virginia. Did you get that? Anyway, so right on the border was Virginia. And we were there, and they, they lived normally in Phoenix, Arizona, but for five years they'd go back to their uh, cabin on, uh, in Lewisburg. And uh, they said, hey, let's, do you want to go visit this uh, place called the Greenbrier Inn? I said, well, what is it? It's, well, they said it's a huge resort that the rich have been going to for over 150 years, and it's a big golf course. I'm like, I don't play golf. But anyway, they, they said it's just beautiful. It's huge. They've got all these cabins and these beautiful buildings. And besides, we're going to visit this bunker system that was built secretly below the Greenbrier Inn. Bing! Yeah, that sounds good. Let's go. And so we went. We looked around at the grounds a little bit. It was beautiful. The big, big buildings. And then they took us to the bunker system. I'm preaching about the refuge of the church. This bunker was built secretly during the 1950s. The late 50s, it was started and they had a whole wing. They, they said they were going to build a whole new wing, a big, not a wing wing, you know, not a ala ala, but uh, a whole new area where it was they were going to add a lot more rooms to one of the main hotels there. And so they put up fences, and every single employee had to sign a statement of confidentiality. The contractors, some of them, if I recall correctly, had to pass some tests. I don't know if they got an actual clearance of some sort, I know some of them actually had to have a top-secret clearance. And so they excavated down three floors down. And they began to pour concrete very, very thick. And they made a three-story bunker system that was big enough to house 1,500 people. And then on the top, they had all the stuff that would uh, connect to the hotel and some, and some rooms and so on. It was even disguised that they could use one of the main rooms, one of the main uh, meeting rooms in the bunker system, and it was somehow disguised to where the hotel could open up this big door, the employees would open up this big door, you would come in and use this one area, and people would never know that it was part of this bunker system. 
the, the, it, it was called the Greenbrier Inn. Uh, let me see here. I don't have, have the, the actual name of the, the Greek Island Project, built from 1956 until 1960. And it was a secret. So we went in there. They had their own uh, area where the congressmen could, could vote. It looked like very similar to the House uh, or the, the congressional, uh, wherever the, that they vote. It looked very similar. It had a stage. It had its own radio station, its own cafeteria. They could serve 400 people at a time. They had their own, I don't know, a guard. You know, I don't know how many soldiers. There was many soldiers there. They had weapons. They had doors that could withstand an atomic bomb within one mile. They had enough food to last for six months. They had enough water to last for a year or more. They had everything that they needed to exist, but only special people could get there. Th there are rumors still today, and I kind of tend to believe it, that there are actually tunnel systems that even today lead from Washington, D.C. to more modernized bunker systems. They said, really, they didn't have to drive the freeways. There were areas they could go to and be directed directly, maybe through trams, I'm not sure, maybe military vehicles, directly to this bunker system. And that's just one bunker system that is in uh, that was during, built during that period of time. Around 1991, someone, uh, so to say, spilled the beans. Someone began to you know, say, hey, I was there, and they had to declassify it. But I thought about that, and I thought, how does the church is a defense from the storm. We are living in a time of a great battle. Right now, the war in Ukraine is, is making things so, uh, it, it's on our minds how that the soldiers have to protect themselves. And so they're digging in, they're digging bunker systems. Both countries are, are, are digging more and more bunker systems. And they have their trench warfare to try to protect them from all the projectiles, the drones and the missiles and, and the grenades and all the things that are raining down from above and killing so many people. But they are looking for a safe place. And let me tell you, in this world, we are living in a demonic, a demonic battle, but there is a safe place, and that is in the church. I could tell you about, I could tell you about the some of the structure of the Greenbrier Inn or the the bunker that was there, but they they say that in order to protect an individual from a uh, or a family or a bunker system from a nuclear blast. And this is at a distance. I think you need at least, like, I don't know, I think 12 feet, 6 to 12 feet of concrete. Of course, that has to be reinforced. Or you would need, I don't have the actual notes here, I, I believe at least a foot or maybe two feet of steel. Or you could get down to the super dense metals of lead and, uh, and gold, and you would need quite still a layer of that to protect you from the radiation. You need structural things. You, you need uh, the ability to withstand uh, the shockwave, the ability uh, to withstand the gamma rays, and so on. And so all of these things are protective. And yet there are places that can withstand. Some of you know that just uh, on the next state, Colorado has, uh, what is it, uh, the uh, yeah, NORAD headquarters, and it's called the Cheyenne Mountain. And uh, I won't go into details on that, but it is quite a structure several buildings. Each building is three stories tall. They hollowed out the inside of a granite mountain and they have several wings. There. There's a central and then several, at least three to more, maybe more wings where these, uh, these huge buildings, they are standing on giant springs and there's huge doors that can seal them off and they can withstand an atomic blast very close. But again, the church is a greater refuge. 
I want to uh, just for a moment help you uh, to, to think about how we are protected. When we look at the tabernacle in the wilderness, it begins to show us that this secret place, this place where man could go just once a year and be in the Shekinah glory of God, and they could see furniture made of gold, and they could live in, in a light that was always, uh, always on. They could eat food that uh, was blessed food, and they could smell a scent that was so sacred that nobody else in the world could smell. All of these were a type and a shadow, not just of the temple of Solomon, which would be bigger and greater and more beautiful, but it's a type of the presence of Jesus Christ. The church is able to come into a sacred presence that the rest of the world cannot enter into. You and I walk by a light that always shines. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. We don't need to be afraid in the night. You and I eat angels' food, the food for the soul, the word of God, preaching and teaching, which not only tastes good, but gives us eternal life and spiritual strength. You and I are surrounded by angels and we are protected by the coverings of Christ. In the tabernacle, there were four coverings. I won't mention them all. There was the humility of Christ, the goat's hair. There was the submission of Christ. There was the rejection of Christ on the outside. But one of the coverings over the tabernacle was ram skins dyed red. I'm going to tell you, there are some coverings that no devil can pass through. No nuclear bomb can reach past the blood. No, no accusation against your life. No accusation by Satan. No sin goes beyond the blood. You are watching in the blood. You are purchased by the blood. You are righteous and God sees you as righteous when you're inside of the church. You're inside of a place where there is no condemnation. You're inside of a place where there is peace from the storm. You're inside of a place where it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. There can be wars and rumors of wars but in the church it's always the same. There's always peace. There's always joy. There's always strength. There's always a refuge for yourself in the church of the living God. Oh, let's praise the Lord together today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. A man, you can be seated, a man shall be as a refuge to get into Christ. We are baptized. The Bible said, I got so many things I could say, I just want to make sure I touch the main points here. But we, the Bible said, as many of us as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. We are buried with him by baptism unto death. That like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. If we have been planted together in his death, we shall also be in his resurrection. This is, this is Romans chapter number uh, 6. But it says that we put on Christ. We enter into Christ. And when we enter into Christ, we not only enter into his sufferings, but into his glory, into his victory. There's nothing that can stop us from going to heaven. The one that made the way is already in heaven. The way to heaven is already built. The tracks are laid. The ladder is there. There's already been a human being, God in flesh, who is standing in heaven. You and I have the same righteousness of Jesus Christ, and all we need is a trumpet sound because we are in the refuge of the church. We have eternal life. The precious blood of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and his 
victory over the devil was not just uh, was not just obtained, was not just given for Jesus Christ or obtained by Jesus for himself, but it was given for us that you and I could have the hope of eternal life. Hallelujah. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, but we're not so. I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That where I go, there you may be also. And whither I go, you know, in the way you know. Jesus Christ has given to us the hope of eternal life. Let's all, let's all praise the Lord together right now. We're going to Let's find our way here tonight to the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God, we love you, Lord, today. We give you the praise. We give you the worship. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The book of Isaiah, chapter number 26. I don't know if you ever noticed the scripture. Verse number 20 says, Come, my people, enter into thy chambers and shut the doors about thee and hide thyself as it were for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. I don't know and pastor uh, in this church we are a pre-tribulation uh, church. There is many scriptures and pastor preaches about this. We still do not know the day or the hour when the son of man cometh but we know one thing that God will not allow us to be overcome. I have been tempted. I still might do this, brother. I still might buy, you know, uh, uh, the, 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 the radios that you charge up, and they're also solar-powered. I still might buy a good set of, of walkie-talkies and maybe some water purification stuff, maybe some solar-powered rechargers. But where does it all start? I'm talking about if there's war. Where does it all stop? And what happens when your neighbor finds out that you have all this stuff and they don't have it and you're a Christian and they're not? Well, I got a gun, so that's a big problem. You got a gun, what are you going to do, shoot them and say, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm a Christian. You just want food, but you're not getting my food. <laughs> eh, don't go home thinking about that. Don't worry about that. Hey, but, but God has promised to us he's going to take care of us. He's always taking care of his people. He's always made a difference. As pastor has said, he, he's always made a difference between the righteous and the unrighteous. Hey, I want to tell you, it's not a time to be worried. It's not a time to be afraid. It's not a time to be like the world and get all caught up in all their fears and all their ideas. It's time to look up toward the east, to lift up our eyes, for our redemption draweth nigh. God is going to take care of his people. He always has. I want to invite our musicians to come. Hallelujah. I just feel like the Holy Ghost probably directed me just to make this short. Hallelujah. The refuge of the church. The name of Jesus is a refuge. Proverbs chapter number 18 and verse number, is it 12 or 10? It said, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, is it 10 or 12? The righteous run therein and are safe. Hallelujah. The name of the Lord. The Bible said, ye are not your own, but ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God with your body and with your spirit, which are God's. You don't have to fend for yourself. The Lord said in the book of Matthew, chapter number 5, that he knows every, he knows the amount of hair on your head. 
and for some of us, well, Brother Flores is, uh, he, uh, he, he's, uh, he's kind of stopped the Lord. The Lord said, hey, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah, he's Brother Flores, he just reduced that number down. Hallelujah. <laughs> but he knows, the, he knows the details about our life. He knows every bird that falls to the ground. And the Bible says he will take care of us. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. God is going to take care of you. But the refuge of the name of Jesus, the power of that name. The Bible says the whole family of heaven and earth is called by that name. Matthew 12, 21, in his name shall the Gentiles trust. The book of Philippians said uh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. There is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Hallelujah. We not only pray in Jesus' name, we baptize in Jesus' name. Colossians 3, 16, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. Thanks unto the Father, God the Father, by Him, this wonderful, wonderful name of Jesus. We belong to Jesus. Just like when a wife takes her husband's name, you take on his reputation. You take on his authority. You take on his financial strength, hopefully. <laughs> Amen. And life is up and down. Amen. We stick with each other through the ups and the downs. That's what she said when you got married, wasn't it? All right. And so, but that name, we are faithful to that name because that name is our confidence. That name is our strength. I'm not ashamed of being baptized in Jesus' name. There's a reason why the world fights baptism in Jesus' name. It's a spiritual thing. It ought to be obvious. But it's part of the refuge. It's all part of the refuge. The refuge of the blood. We've mentioned this. Uh, the name of Jesus. The refuge of the word. The spirit. All of these things. But in our day... We need to make sure that we, that we love the church. We love the refuge of the church. Let's see, I'll read a few scriptures here. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed. And that's why I wish that some folks were here. Some people are so, you know, and what they need, they need to settle down. Get in the church. Be baptized. You do what you got to do. And number one, you got to repent and be baptized. You get baptized in Jesus' name. The Bible says the like figure we're into baptism that's also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God. You do what you're supposed to do, and there's confidence in obedience. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And the children should have a place of refuge. And when we obey God, there is confidence that we are doing what God has told us to do. And we rest under God's authority. You're, you're, you're not going to have peace if you're in disobedience to God's word. If you're fighting God and you're not following the word of God or the preached word of God, you're not going to have the peace that you need. But when you get into the church, you're baptized. Jesus said, except a man be born of the water and the spirit, he can enter into the kingdom of God. That is the entrance into the kingdom of God. The Lord will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Uh, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Uh, David said, I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling in all generations. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. We just quoted this, and his children should have a place of refuge. Thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. I think we just did that one too. The Lord is my, only is my rock. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. 
and uh, many other scriptures that we could that we could mention. One of the most impressive places I've ever been is, I believe it's called uh, La Generalife, but it is in Granada. And I'm, look, I'm trying to remember the other name. It is, it was the last uh, kingdom uh, complex. What's it called? Royal Fortress uh, Tower Complex of the Moors before the Spanish finally defeated them and kicked them out. So the Spaniards repaired the damage and they made it a royal palace. Granada, Spain. I'm trying to remember the name here. Uh, anyway, you can look it up. But we have been there. We had a chance to go to Spain. And one thing that really impressed me is that behind all of these walls, it's huge, many, many acres inside, huge walls, some of the walls over 100 feet tall, huge towers, and then little castles inside, but inside of these areas were beautiful courtyards with beautiful trees and fountains and gardens. Some of the most peaceful, beautiful settings that you could imagine have been, I've seen them inside of fortresses. It was designed so that the people would know there's always a place to go. When we're surrounded by armies, you know, really a lot of these places, there wasn't enough room, but back in, in those days, if you go to Spain, there's actually almost a visible line of, of, of castles and fortresses as you progress down from the north toward the south, that through the hundreds of years they fought against the Arabs, they progressively built fortresses, and they, they finally pushed the Arabs and the Moors out of their nation. So many castles. But one of the things, again, that castles were designed for was to be a place of comfort and safety for the people so they wouldn't abandon the land. So they would still work the farms and work with the cattle and do whatever they had to do. And that when they know that when the trumpet sounds, they run to the castles. And the soldiers come out. They put their battles in array. They put the cannons, start working, the arquebuses, the arrows, and everything else, the knights in their armor, and all of that. Yes, they had all of that in Spain. But the greatest places were the places of the kings, the castles, the rest, the places of refuge. And that's how I envisioned the church. The church is beautiful inside. It's like a garden. The church is a place where we are taught by men of God that have studied for years, decades. The church is a place where we hear worship that is not just beautiful in its harmony, but there's, there's anointing on the songs. And there is healing. The church not only is a fortress, the church is a hospital. The church is a, is a place of healing. The church is a place of encouragement. The church is a place where there is food to eat. So when we are wounded, we go to the church. When the devil, when we've made a mistake, we run to the fortress. Israel had the cities of refuge. Every one of them had big walls. Every one of them were very strong. Every one of them had priests. And all they had to do was run to the refuge. No refuge was more than a day away. Everyone could get to a place of protection. Everyone could rest and get away from the accuser of blood. And the church is just a prayer away. We don't have to live on, on the outside of the church. If you have a problem with sin, you need to repent and get back into the church. But stay in the church. Stay always in the church. Love the church. Let me tell you, you don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be troubled in your spirit and your mind. Soak up what's inside of the church. Soak up, eat all the food that you can. Listen to as much singing as you can. Enjoy the spirit of prayer. Be made into a whole person. Because God has given to you a refuge. 
You will never, ever in your life be away from this refuge. It's just a prayer away. Let's pray together right now. Let's ask the Lord to seal this word tonight, have his way. If the Lord has spoke to you, you can pray where you're at. If you want to come to the front, those that need the Holy Ghost, this needs to be a top priority in your life. If you're struggling with emotional and mental instability, hey, you need to realize the healing is in the church. Healing is in the Word. Healing is in prayer. Healing is resting in God. You are covered by the blood. If there's anything you haven't done, do it for God that you need to do. If there's any sin that is covered, uncover that sin. Confess.